Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. kicking off a brand new sermon series today that I'll be honest with you I'm I'm pretty excited about um, and a little nervous about uh, what we're going to talk about the next four weeks is something that's really been on my heart for some time now and I've wrestled with how to address this or how to to give you hopefully some tools to deal with this in your life and to deal with this in my own life and uh, we're going to talk about some things over the next few weeks but uh, what I want to get right into as we get started I'm going to get right into a verse of scripture that's kind of kind of sit over the top of this whole series and this verse is kind of where I've landed on how to to address this topic and work through this topic with you together and so the prayer the, the scripture I'm going to read this is from uh, from third John it's verse two from third John it's only one chapter in third John this little bitty letter it was written by John John was one of the, the followers of Jesus and one of the disciples of Jesus and after Jesus was dead, buried, and resurrected that we celebrated last week on Easter, John began to be a leader in the first church. And so John is not only a disciple, an apostle, John also is a pastor. He's planting churches and he's ministering to people. And that's what these letters that we have towards the back of the Bible, very end of the Bible, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, that's what these are. These are letters that a pastor is writing to his friends, to his congregation, to his church, and to people he loves dearly and holds dearly to him this is kind of where I'm coming from. I'm a pastor. I'm going to be talking to people that I love and people that are my friends and people that I hold dearly to my heart because I think what we need to say over the next few, few weeks is so important to each one of us. And so this is from my heart as we read, read John's heart to his church as well. Here's, <clears throat> here's what he has to say. Now, I'm sharing, I'm sharing this, this prayer with you as your pastor. This is Pastor John's prayer for his church. And this is Pastor Larry. Well, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to read this prayer in a minute. And I'm not sure you're going to want your pastor to pray this prayer over you. You see where you see the tension here? This is John's prayer for his church, and it's my prayer for your church too, but I'm not sure you're going to want me to pray this prayer for you. You ready to hear the prayer? Here's the prayer. For, uh, 3 John, chapter two, uh, verse 2. Dear friend, again, this is people he loves. This is his congregation. This is his church. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health. Oh, you like that part, don't you? Yeah. And that all may go well with you. You like that part too, don't you? You want me to pray this prayer for you? Good health, all that's going well for you, even as, oh, there's important words, even as your soul is getting along well. Even as. Do you want me to pray this prayer for you? Would you want someone to pray this prayer over you? I hope everything else in your life your finances your job your health your kids your marriage your relationships your fill in the blank i hope everything else in your life is doing as well as your soul is doing would you want me to pray that prayer over you over the last three years We've all lived through them. But especially over the last three years, as a pastor, it has burdened my heart to see all the Jesus people that I know, all the Christians that I know, all the church people that I know, whose souls are tired. 
and anxious and joyless. So for the next four weeks, I've got a series I'm calling Soul Care. And hopefully, we're going to be really honest and evaluate how we are doing. So today I'm going to ask you five very important questions. I need you to evaluate yourself. Here's the first one. Is it well with your soul? Is it well with your soul? Be honest. Ask yourself right now. Is it well with your soul? You see, God created us body and soul. Our soul is not just a part of us. Our soul is us. It's the center, the very center of our being. Our very being was made, we were created to be saturated with the being of God, with God to be living in us and through us. And our soul is the part of us that God feels, the part of us that God connects with. The psalm writer writes, Psalm 42, verse 2, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? He's talking about his soul. That's the part of him that's just longing for more and more and more communion closeness intimacy with god the psalm writer writes in one in psalm 103 praise the lord my soul praise the lord my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name my soul your soul that is the deep me the inner me not the part that you see on the outside but the stuff that's really going on inside that's part of me where i most intimately relate and commune with god This is why our enemy, Satan, the Satan, works so hard to make war against our souls. Because this is the part of us that communes, that connects with God. So let me state the obvious. Because I see this, I see this in you. And it's weighed heavy on me as your pastor for three years now. Also, I know you already know this. But we live in a culture that has normalized a way of life that is absolutely toxic to our souls. I don't don't have to make much of a case to convince you of this. The evidence is all around us. Skyrocketing rates of anxiety and depression. Huge rise in the use of and abuse of alcohol and opioids. The constant airing of our complaints and offenses and outrage and grievances. And maybe most of all, seeing people I know and love, even that sit in this room on Sunday morning, who seem like they are always exhausted on the inside. And that has become the new normal. That has become the way we live our lives. Now, if you're anything like me, I keep telling myself, oh, no, no, don't worry, it's just a season. It's just a season. It's just, it's, it, it's, it, no, 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 it's not just a season. It's become our lifestyle. It's become, uh, we are living in ways that are costing us our souls. And when you lose your soul, you lose connection with God. I think you lose a little connection with yourself, too. Fortunately for us, the good news is that Jesus offers us something better. And in, I think, one of the most, if not the most beautiful invitation ever offered, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are, say these words with me, weary and burdened. Raise your hand. Anybody ever been weary and burdened? In the, like, I don't know, this week? I'll put two hands up for it, but that's me. Come to me, Jesus says, all of you who are weary and burdened. Here's the promise. 
I will give you, say this word, rest. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. He goes on, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find, say the word again, rest for your souls. And listen, this is not temporary relief that Jesus is offering. This is not just a vacation from your problems for a minute. Jesus is offering restoration. Jesus is offering a better way to live. A way to live that keeps our souls healthy. He is offering not just to be our Savior for eternity. He's offering to be our shepherd for our daily lives. Which, which brings to mind probably the greatest song ever written. I, I know that's a bold claim to say this is the greatest song ever written. But when you've been on the top of the charts for 3,000 years, you get to say that. Here's the song. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my, say the word, soul. So for the next four weeks, could I ask you to be really, really honest? Is it well with your soul? Let me remind you of some words from two of, of the greatest philosophers in the history of mankind. Two of history's greatest philosophers. Here's what they said. Uh, Socrates, remember that name? Socrates said this. The unexamined life is not worth living. It's a pretty good word. And it was the great American philosopher Ice Cube who said, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> so here's my question for you this morning. Because I need you to check yourself. <laughs> Here's, here's question number two. Is my soul undernourished? Is my soul undernourished? One of the issues we're facing with this issue of soul care and the damage that we're doing to our soul is, is it's, we're doing it to ourselves. This is, this is a self-inflicted issue that we're all facing. And it starts, I'm, I'm going to get to meddling here in a minute, sorry. It starts with the vacuous, frivol frivolous, even poisonous diets that we feed our souls. And let me just call it like it is. A huge part of the problem are these dopamine dispensers that we carry in our pockets. Here's what I'm starting to figure out. God has worked, is, is working with me on this because I'm not there yet. Here's what I'm starting to figure out. My soul cannot do life at the speed of my smartphone. It's smarter than I am. I cannot, my soul cannot, absorb all of the evil and the suffering and the pain and the hate and the anger of the world all in one second. It is not good for my soul to be sucked into all the, the meaningless distractions that this little dopamine dispenser offers me. And before you get testy, and before you say you're just an angry old man now, Larry, grumpy old man, get off my lawn, kids. Now, I'm not that guy yet, but before you think I am, let me just say this. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever, one time, have you ever spent 30 minutes on your phone, scrolling through your phone, playing games on your phone, looking at the comments, following the rabbit trails of memes and videos? Have you ever one time after 30 minutes of scrolling said, I feel so much closer to God now? 
Yeah, me neither. Our souls are gorged and undernourished, and they cannot rest. That was Jesus' promise, rest. But our souls can't rest because they're undernourished. We're like sheep. That's why Jesus uses this, in the Bible, all throughout the Bible, we use this shepherd metaphor so often. We're like sheep. Sheep cannot rest until they are full. And so it is the job and the task of the shepherd to make sure that the, the sheep have enough to eat, have a diet that will sustain them and nourish them. And your good shepherd has done that. Psalm 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the, say the word, soul. Refreshing the soul. God says to us, I can provide your soul a diet that's good for your soul that's healthy for your soul. So is what you are feeding your soul sufficient to sustain a healthy soul or is your soul undernourished? That was my second question. Here's question number three. Is my soul over-anxious? Is my soul over-anxious? Now back in David's day when he wrote that Psalm 23 and he was a shepherd writing that Psalm, in David's day, <clears throat> there were lions and bears and wolves, oh my, all around. And the sheep knew it. And so that's why sheep were always so restless, so, so fidgety. Sheep don't have sharp teeth and claws like the bears and the wolves and the lions do. The only thing that a sheep can do when a predator approaches is run. That's their only defense. That's why they're always so skittish, and that's why they're always looking around to see what's coming over the hill. That's why sheep have a hard time resting. And like sheep, anxiety-producing situations for us aren't something that come up occasionally. They are a constant reality. We cannot escape the fact that the world is full of things to worry about. That's why the 2022 word of the year was permacrisis. One crisis right after another. That's the world we live in. Think about the last three years. Pandemic. Political instability. Racial tension. War in Ukraine, climate change, inflation. Here's the deal. None of that stuff is going away. And you can never manage or manipulate your life in such a way to, put, to eliminate the potential stress factors. Just like sheep can't live where there aren't wolves and bears and lions. The only thing that could calm the sheep down in that world, the only thing that could calm the sheep down was that the sheep knew that they were in the presence of the shepherd. So Jesus says to you, as your shepherd, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So could it be, I'm going to step on your toes, I'm warning you, could it be that behind so much of the weariness of our souls, is the admission that we have functionally stopped coming to Jesus. And when we get anxious, and when we get nervous, and when we get stressed, and when we get burnt out, we go to Netflix, or to a video game, or to TikTok, or to the gym, or to a bottle. And we just keep maintaining a lifestyle that frustrates the restoration of our soul. 
about 20 years ago now, there were three fishing boats uh, out, out in New England, three fishing boats that sank all in the span of about two weeks just off the coast of New England. Ten men died in these three separate accidents. The interesting thing about these, these three fishing boats sinking is that none of the boats had a breach in the hull. They were all captained by seasoned sailors who knew what they were doing on the boat. And all three of them were on their way back home. You see, these boats have these clam traps on them. And the clam traps weighed about 300 pounds. But when you go out and fish and you catch the clams, you, the full clam traps that weigh somewhere, once they're full, weigh somewhere between 1,000 pounds to uh, like a ton and a half. Now, each of these boats that had sunk had 10 more traps on their boats than they were supposed to have. They were overloaded by 10 full traps. How does that happen? Well, you already know how this happened. That's where the industry was going. Someone figured out, hey, if we could put one more trap on the boat, then when we come back with, instead of 10, we have 11 or whatever the number was, we have one more trap, we get that much more profit from that trip. So if we put five more traps on the boat, we're going to make even more profit. And so, listen to me, it just became normal for these boats to have 10 to 15 more tons of weight on them than they were supposed and meant to carry. And what was accepted as normal proved to be fatal. Jesus says to you and to me, you do not have to live the way that you've been living. What you call normal, Jesus says, does not have to be how it is. And Jesus is inviting us to a way of life that will restore our souls. Again, Psalm 116, return to your rest, my soul. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. The next three years of your life, oh heck, the next three days of your life do not have to be like the last three years. We can live in a new normal. Jesus is offering us a way to save our souls, not just for eternity, but for today. If, if, we want it bad enough if we want it but much like a small child resisting taking a nap so many Christians fight the very thing that they need so here's question number four and it's probably the hardest question I've got for you today am I willing am I willing to do what it takes to care for my soul am I willing to do what it takes very few Christians have a plan for taking care of their souls. Instead, we lie to ourselves. We, we naively cling to this illusion. Oh, it's just a season. Once we get through this, I'll get past this season. We'll get through graduation. We'll get through the school year. We'll get through vacation. We'll get through this crisis at work. Once we get through this, then it will all get better. Then we'll slow down. It'll all be better. We, or, or maybe we, we cling to this illusion. I just need a little more time. I just need a little more time. Can I be honest with you? 
you ain't getting more time. You're not getting more time. God gives you 24 hours a day, and that's not changing. You don't need more time. You need to use the time that God has given you differently. In other words, we need to accept the yoke of Jesus. Because here's the thing. You cannot have the life of Jesus without the lifestyle of Jesus. You cannot have the life of Jesus without the lifestyle of Jesus. If I said to you, do you believe, Christian, you're sitting in church on a Sunday morning, do you believe that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life? Most of you will say, yes, absolutely. Most of you would agree with me, but we think he's the truth much more than we think he's the way. So we're, we believe what he says more than we're willing to live like he lived. Can you imagine a stressed out Jesus? Can you imagine Jesus ever saying to anybody, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just too fried right now, I can't help you. I don't have what it takes to love you right now because I'm too stressed out. Can we imagine Jesus saying that? You say, well, but, 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 but Jesus was God. Yes, he was God, but he was also fully man. And when you read the biographies of Jesus, you see that Jesus intentionally engaged in practice, practices that nourished his soul, that fed his soul. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about what some of those practices are. I'm going to give you a preview now. Here, here was one of them. You're going to love this one. One of the things that Jesus did was sleep. That sounds good, doesn't it? Jesus knew God made us to need sleep. You have my permission. Take a nap today. All right? You have my permission. Take a nap this afternoon. Jesus could even sleep on a boat in a storm if his body said, it's time to sleep. By the way, I blame the light switch for this. <laughs> yeah, really, the light switch. The light switch has really messed us up on our sleep cycles. Did you know before Edison, the average person slept 11 hours a day? Of course, they did. it was dark at home. You had nothing else to do, right? So, so yeah, we read that, yeah, people would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to pray. Sure, they did. They'd already been asleep for 11 hours. They'd gone to bed at 6 o'clock the night before. Of course, they got up. Did you know that Scripture teaches us that sleep is an act of faith? It's an act of faith. Sleeping is not only taking care of my body, but it's also taking care of my soul because it is saying, when I am willing to go to sleep, I am saying, God, you've got this. God, you're in charge. God, you're on the throne. God, I can rest. I'll let you run the world now. I don't have to do it. That's refreshing. Another practice of Jesus was the deliberate pursuit of silence. We often see Jesus seeking solitary places to pray and to recover. When he sent his disciples on their first big mission trip, he knew when they got back they'd be tired. Look what he says in Mark 6. He says to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some, say the word with me, rest. I believe our souls suffer because of our constant exposure and our addiction to noise and to rush. Here's another one. Jesus was intentional about the practice of Sabbath. By the way, next week's sermon is all about this. It's what we're talking about next Sunday morning. I hope you'll be here. Matter of fact, I'll just say it like this. There are no excused absences next week. All right, no, you have to be here. And tell your friends, there's no excused absences because you and I, we all need to hear what Scripture has to say about God's gift of Sabbath. But one thing that meant for Jesus is that it was a rhythm of his life every single week he gathered with other believers and publicly worshiped God. He did this because it was good for his soul. 
But Jesus understood that when it says in Scripture that Sabbath was made for man, it wasn't talking about just a day. It was talking about a lifestyle, an orientation, a way of life, that God's gift of rest is what we need to flourish. Sabbath reminds us that we are not what we do. We are not what we do. Your value next week, this week, your value is not determined by how much you crank out, by how much you produce. Your value is determined by who you are loved by. We live in an age where it is possible to always be at work. And again, these little dopamine dispensers are part of the problem. Because the current paradigm is, the expectation is, you need to always be available to me if I need you. I want you to think about something. Which one of the Ten Commandments, you remember the Ten Commandments? It's kind of the basic rules of God, right? Which one of the Ten Commandments will Christians applaud you if you break? Think about your job. Heck, think about my job. Think about my job for a minute. Could I remain as your pastor if I committed adultery and cheated on my wife? Could I remain as your pastor if I got angry and I killed another human being? Could I remain your pastor if I consistently lied to you? Of course not. But, <laughs> but I can work myself to the bone. I can fry my spirit with constant frenetic activity and production, and I will be applauded by Christians for my output. And you will too at your job. It's the one command, the Sabbath command, it's the one command that, that Christians will celebrate you breaking. Some of you are thinking, well, pastor, the devil never takes a day off. Well, he's the devil. We're not trying to be like him. Now, please notice, Jesus doesn't say in this promise, learn about me. Jesus said, learn from me. He's not offering an escape. He's not offering equipment. Uh, he's not offering an escape. He's offering equipment, a yoke, a way to do this. He's offering to teach us a way to do life that keeps our souls healthy. And here's an important thing to remember about your soul. It will not scream at you if you ignore it. At least not at first. The outer world will scream at you if they don't get the attention they need. The outer world will always ask for more of your attention. And the great lie is believing if I could just improve my scorecard in the outer world, then I will have peace. Then I will have rest. Then I will have joy in my inner world. And Jesus disagrees. And in fact, maybe the most important question ever asked is this question from Jesus. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? And I got to thinking over the last several months as I've studied this, what if? What if in this verse about your soul and gaining the world and forfeiting your soul, what if Jesus isn't just talking about eternity? What if Jesus is talking about today? How you do life today? I kind of think he is. So I close with this question. Here's question number five. It's the Jesus question. Have I really won if I've lost my soul in the process? Dallas Willard, one of my favorite authors, especially in this, this realm of personal Christian disciplines and things like that, um, he says this. The most important thing is not what you do, it's who you become. That's what will take you into eternity. 
not what you do it's who you become and so on the great exam on judgment day you're going to be standing before god and there's going to be two big questions did you become someone that passionately loved god and did you become someone who could consistently love people and listen to me church we cannot love better we cannot love well when our souls are depleted and weary the gospels show us over and over and over again that jesus says you can't love and be in a hurry you can't love well and always be in a hurry so here's my challenge for you today church take care of your soul care for your soul be in a place where you would welcome someone praying over you i hope everything else in your life is doing as well as your soul is doing i recently read about this guy named bob davy uh, bob davy died back in 2021 just a couple years ago he lived in england he died he was 91 years old when he died he and his wife late in their lives they found like literally found a a, a church church building a little church building in the countryside near their home in england and it was in great need of repair it had been kind of desecrated and overrun by some satanists who had done some seances and things like that inside this church building it just kind of been left to ruin and so bob and his wife made it their mission for the last 22 years of his life to restore this church they called it saint mary's they did a pretty good job it's kind of cool when you when you hear the story you see the pictures of what they did <clears throat> So what Bob Davy did was he brought back a place that was sacred. He brought back a place where people could commune with God. In fact, inside the church, they, they found some paintings on the walls of this old church, paintings of Bible stories. These paintings are over a thousand years old. Let that sink in. 800 years before there was an Ohio, these paintings were bringing glory to God and teaching people about jesus he brought back a place that was sacred a place where people could commune with god what bob did for a church jesus wants to do for you he wants to bring back a place that's sacred where you can commune with god so listen again to the best song ever he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the still waters. Read this last line with me. He restores my soul. This is the invitation of Jesus. Jesus is offering for this invitation for people who are ready to stop calling the stuff that is killing us normal. So going forward, for you, is it going to be more of the same? Or are you going to let Jesus save your soul? invite our community team to go ahead and take their places get ready to serve let me pray for you god give us ears to hear the things that we really need to hear give us the courage to change the things that we really need to change because we hope that if not today but soon a dear friend could pray over us i hope everything in your life is doing as well as your soul it's hard jesus these last few years have been really hard so please come and restore our soul 